Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's What's your weird story? story? Hello, Weirdsville. Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I know that I did. Spent time with the family. Had some good food. And uh, watched some football, which is a perfect Thanksgiving for me. With me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Adam Beebe, the professor. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you, uh, Smiling Sensei. Um, I'm, I'm fighting off a, a tail end of a cold um, that I got somehow over the uh, the holiday Thanksgiving weekend. Um, even though I didn't re- uh, go out and uh, go to any feasts, I was stayed at home with my with my girls, my kitties. Uh, but somehow I got a little cold, yeah. and so we're fighting that off, but feeling all right nonetheless. Yeah, that's good. It's going around, man. I. Yeah, it's that time of year. Yeah, I had a little bit of that a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't really get bad, uh, but it was just annoying, you know? Yeah. I yeah. found out today that my uh, my oldest son has uh, COVID, so ah, he's, uh, wow. he's hating it. He said he's really sick, so. Yeah, uh, I was gonna, some of my friends just got over COVID their second time um, as well, so yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I'm for, I know this isn't COVID. Like, at least I've got that. You yeah, know, I know good. that it's not COVID, so. How old is everything else over in your world? Pretty good, man. You know, I've just been uh, just doing the old grind and, uh, you know, uh, been watching, binging some new stuff, watching some new series. Um, I watched on Apple TV or Apple Plus, whatever they call that. Uh, there's a couple of new shows on there that have been really cool uh, for me. One is the... Um, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, okay, which is connected to the uh, Godzilla, the new Godzilla nice. movies universe of Godzilla and Godzilla versus Kong and and all nice. of that stuff, and of course giant monsters, you know, and you got Kurt Russell is in it and his son is in it and they play the same character at different points in time. Which oh is wow, really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Is that Goldie Hawn's kid too, or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Oh, very yeah. cool. Very um, cool. And then, of course, uh, also um, on the uh, Apple is, that I highly recommend for people who like uh, kind of dark, twisty, kind of horror type mystery shows, um, the Changeling. Yeah. Um, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We've we're on episode five, man. It's, Are you so? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's uh, it would have been under my radar, but uh, you know I have a connection to it where uh, um, my buddy and a friend of the podcast, but also old friend of mine, uh, former bandmate Sam Herring, Samuel T. Herring, is uh, an actor. He's one a character in it, and uh, he it's it's strange because you know I've known Sam for so long that a little bit of it is I'm taken I get taken out of it a little bit. Because I know it's my friend, but he he does such a great job in it. it. I get back into it, and then towards the end, especially, it's like I'm seeing the character. I'm not seeing he he is incredible, friend. man. Dude, he, he is like he really knocked it out of the park. I was Dude. really surprised. You know, you told me that he was in it, so I was like, okay. I told my wife, you know, because my wife loves sci-fi and stuff. I'm like, we got to yeah. watch this because you know. Our, our our old friend is in it, and I didn't realize. You know, you said he had a decent sized part, but I didn't realize how big of a role it was, man. And like, I didn't either. He's so talented, man. It doesn't yeah. surprise me that he knocked it out of the park. But it's 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 a great great show. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's also got great music. Uh, the score is by Dan Deacon, who is another friend of mine from back in my band days. Sure, sure. Dude, that music is just haunting. It's just perfect yeah. atmospheric yeah. horror movie yeah. stuff Great. lots of like ec- weird ethereal voices and and like strings and crazy stuff oh fantastic work there and yeah. then uh also um 
uh, my buddy William pops up in it. Uh, he makes a uh, cameo appearance in a few episodes. Oh, cool, cool. So uh, I don't know if you see that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, once you get there, it's yeah, but it's that's a, a really, really wild, crazy show, and I'm hoping that there's going to be another season. Um, but you never know with uh, with stuff these days. But yeah, we highly recommend people check it out. Um, yeah. Just because it's really, really cool. The main actor is that guy's just yeah, he's phenomenal. great. Yeah, really, really and, good. Uh, and, and and the main actress also is man. She's yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got good stuff today. That's we, right, dude. We really do. We have a, a fantastic podcast. We have a guest on, and uh, we've wanted to try to get. Uh, a, a story like this for quite a while, and I'm so happy that we were able to land. Uh, she she was someone that was involved in um, a story that I think maybe maybe people have seen documentaries on uh, the Source family. Yeah. Uh, her name is Dawn, and she she was really really gracious to spend time with us. That's right, man. Uh, it was incredible talking to Don. So uh, we'll get right into it. So Barry, I want you to dust off your uh, old uh, bell-bottom uh, jeans and your, your flower power signs and all your uh, leather with the fringe and, and your beads and uh, you know and clean out your bong. We're going way back into those the days of the late. 60s and early 70s, the prime time of of hippie mu- the hippie movement out in California, and when with Don and this is a great story and uh, you're gonna you want you're gonna want to hear more because we certainly do. So, Don uh, joining us from the uh, Aloha State of Hawaii, Don, thank you so much for for being with us. What's your weird story? I have so many weird stories, but I'm going to take you back to when I was 16. Okay, great. At that point in my life, it was 1972, Mm -hmm. and I was an incorrigible child. I had started smoking pot when I was 13. I did acid when I was 14. I was running with all the bad boys and girls. And um, my mind had opened to the point of where I was like, wait, I know there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more, and I'm not finding it. And I um, had... You know, of course, when you're that young and your hormones are absolutely raging, you know, you think it's love and you think that you're going to find somebody that you're going to be with forever. And sorry, I'm just going to turn my phone you're fine. off. That's okay. That's the universe just punctuating the whole idea of you're going to find love and it's going to be forever. <laughs> so um, I, I, I met a, a huge range of long-haired young men who tried to sway me in different directions, but there was one in particular that I was high on acid at this party. And, you know, back in those days, there were parties where everybody just got together and you just did whatever was there and drank whatever was there and played music and just whatever. So I had taken some acid. I was sitting on the couch of this friend's apartment And, of course, everyone was much older than I was. All of a sudden, this guy walks in the room. He's got long, flowing hair and a beard, and he's wearing this knit rainbow cap with a feather in it. And he's got—he takes the feather out of his hat, and he has a lit piece of incense. And suddenly, he's walking right towards me. And he reaches down, and he gives me the lit incense, and he says, Hi. My name is James, and I want to be your friend. And he could see that I was plastered to the couch and I wasn't moving. Reason being, somebody had passed me a joint with angel dust in it. Oh, and wow. It, <laughs> angel dust. It's horse tranquilizer. So yeah. here I am. I'm just blazing in my mind, but I can't move. Right. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there. So he kind of takes me under his wing and we're just talking the whole evening and he realizes that I I can't get home and he 
took me to his um, his father's apartment on Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, where I lived. Okay, okay. That's where I'm from. Okay. And um, we spent the night together and just and ended up having a friendship more than a love affair. And he taught me all about being a vegetarian. I had I had, I was already a vegetarian, and I was just kept looking for more. And he had a lot of answers. Mm-hmm. So. Several months later, all of a sudden, he said, well, I'm going to L.A., and if you want to know what's going on, you'll just have to come out and find me. I'm like, huh? Okay. So he didn't allude to anything more, and okay, bye. Here's my address. You can write me if you want. So I I had his address. Uh, About several months later... Another fellow rolls into town who had been a buddy of his from L.A., but he was also from Chicago, and he was there visiting his sick mother. And we had got together, and I really fell for him hard. I really had this huge crush on him. His name was Roy. And um, and then he left after a couple of weeks, and it was the summer of... I turned 16 and I was like, okay, I know I can go and I want to get out of here. And um, the year before my parents had been divorced. And Mm. so it was kind of a rocky road anyway. I was like, that was a whole other story. (laughs) Um, And I, when my mom came back, my parents remarried. They, they got back together. They decided they wanted to be with the devil that they knew. And, um, they, uh, my mom had left to go to Aspen, and so she had come back. And I decided, okay, it's my turn to go traveling. And I had always wanted to go to a big music festival or something, you know, because th- those were all that was the inception of all those music festivals sure. back yeah. then. Yeah. I had missed most of them, like from Woodstock on, because right. I was I was just too young. Yeah. But now I'm 16, so okay, all bets are off. I'm going. I went with some friends to the first ever Rainbow Festival in Granby Pass, Colorado. Oh, wow. We drove from Chicago to there, got there at right about four or five in the afternoon. So the sun was still pretty high, but it was starting to set. We had to climb up this hill to get to this the festival grounds. And by the time we got up there, it was pitch dark. I was at the first ever Rainbow Festival there. Wow. That was really exciting. It was just all these hippies and, you know, it was just like, oh, wow, maybe I'll find the answers here. There's supposed to be the yeah. white buffalo woman is supposed to come and give some message. And, well, I really didn't find anything there except for more drugs, more sex, more communal type living that really didn't make sense because it was at a... At a, muse- at a festival that was only lasting for a few days. Yeah. Wow, that's terrible. <laughs> that, that's still going on. That's still going on today, isn't it? The Rainbow Festival. They still do that, don't they? They do. Yeah, that's and amazing. Much more organized about it. Yeah, I, I've seen some stuff on that, so that's why I brought it up. That's cool. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. I've never been to another one. Wow! Wow! <laughs> well, they. I. I think it's the, just a couple minutes. I think the same. So, the same thing where like you got to walk. Uh, you. 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 You don't. The festival's away from where you park. I think so. That's. Uh, I think that's still true to this day. Yeah, and and then you have to bring out everything that you brought in and right, that right, sort of. Right. Yeah, kind of. Uh, anyway. So after the festival, me and all my friends, we met down in the parking lot. Some said they were going to Oregon. I said, oh, I want to go there. I'll go with you guys for a ride. It was summertime. I, you know, what the heck? I'm out. I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. The closer we got to Oregon, and I knew California was the border, the more I was drawn to not go to Oregon, I wanted to go to California. And when we got to Klamath Falls, they were all ready to go to Eugene. And I said, you know, you can let me out here. 
I'm I'm going to go down to San Francisco. In my mind at that time, I thought maybe it's an alternative school that I'm looking for, and I was thinking San Francisco might have it. Yeah. Well, I got to San Francisco. I stayed with a friend from Chicago who'd moved there who made stained glass lamps. Okay. And um, he let me stay for a couple of weeks. Were you hitchhiking I... at the time? Oh, I... yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize this was a different time when you yeah. could actually hitchhike across the country. Yeah. And I still look back at it and think, I can't believe I did that. And I... Was it murdered or something? Yeah, but at, yeah, at sixteen. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. Yes. But you got some cojones. Yeah, you got some. You got some cojones, man. Yeah, that's not the first time I've been told that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so I I went to I went down. Somebody had told me about a an experimental school in the hate, and so I went down there to look in and find out about it and I went in the door and there was all kinds of stuff going on but nobody was really paying attention to me and I tried to get attention they were like well you can go sit in on some classes if you want to and it was just like you know this is I was not I was expecting a warmer welcome I guess or yeah you know and meanwhile going through the hate it was just kind of really depressing there Mm. were junkies asleep on the street and it was dirty and it was just not what you know you think of as flower power go to california with a flower in your hair and all that garbage (laughs) so i decided okay well there's that friend of mine in la and that guy that i really liked a lot so pulled my thumb out went down to la Got a ride with some hippie boys who were. Oh, that was almost dangerous. <laughs> uh, that was. We stopped in the redwood forest and we went for a walk. And I was like, I want to go back to the car. I, I'm kind of anxious to leave. I, I could sense something was up with these guys. And this one guy just was like, he was trying to be really physical with me. And I was really glad that we were just in a car and there were three guys. And I was just I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah. And so uh, I had them drop me off somewhere, and then I got a ride with a guy who – now, this was actually really prophetic, I thought, because he was he was an older guy, maybe in his 40s, and, you know, at 16, that was yeah. an older guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's driving a Volkswagen van, <coughs> and – the license plate said magic bus. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, okay, this is a sign. Right. <laughs> so I I asked him, I said, that this is where I'm going to in L.A. Do you know where that is? He said, I know exactly where that is. Come with me. I'll keep you safe. So um, we drove down to L.A. The address was 8301 Sunset Boulevard. Wow. So... He drops me off. It's about nine o'clock at night. It's already dark. And, you know, Sunset Boulevard is happening. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of traffic and the neon lights and people everywhere. Yep. And the source restaurant is on the corner of Sunset and Sweetser. And there was a huge parking lot next to it. So he dropped me off there. But the restaurant was dark, except there was a light on in the kitchen. So I knocked on the front door, and this guy comes to the door, and he was a real grumpus. He's like, we're closed. I said, "That's I can see that, but, you know, I've come all the way from Chicago, and my friends Roy and James told me to come here. He said, well, we're closed. And I was like, wait a minute, you're just going to turn me away? This other guy comes up, and he pushes him out of the way, and he opens the door, and he says, I'm sorry. You'll have to excuse him. He's having a hard day. I said, okay. And he said, well, you can go and sleep in the teepee out and back, and somebody will come and get you for class in the morning. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't know what it was all about because neither of them had told me anything about 
it was all about. I was going right. to say, yeah, you you weren't aware of the classes or anything like that. You were just trying to get to the place where you were told to go. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. I was 16. What did yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> right. Was it called the Source Restaurant? Is that what it was called? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Was. Um. So I go out to the teepee. There's all these sheepskins and Mexican blankets and pillows. And I'm like, oh, this is cozy. So I curled up and fell asleep. And then in the middle of the night, I suddenly open my eyes. And there's this face above me. A human real face that looks like all of the images that I ever thought in my life would look like God. And he suddenly says to me, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. Go back to sleep. We, I just, somebody had told me that there was someone out here, and so I wanted to make sure that you were okay. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. He said, go back to sleep. Someone will come and get you in the morning for class. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I just went right back to sleep. Wow. wow. And I felt safe, you know. Yeah. They're yeah. sleeping yeah. in a teepee, in a parking lot, on the Sunset Strip. <laughs> so it wasn't quite daylight yet, and a little head pops in the, the hatch and says, rise and shine. I was like, Okay. I popped my head out and I saw all these people out in the parking lot and they were like in concentric circles. Uh, they had sheepskins and Mexican blankets that they were sitting on. And so I grabbed a couple from the teepee and I went out there and sat down. And then this man that had appeared in the teepee in the middle of the night suddenly strides into the middle of the circle and he just starts chanting Yodhevahe, which is uh, the Tetragrammaton, also known as the ineffable name of God. Mm-hmm. And he starts talking. And today they call it channeling, but he was just talking. He was just giving us information. And it was everything that I was looking for all of the answers to the big questions that I was seeking. And I just sat there mesmerized. Wow. 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 (laughs) And that was the beginning of all of that. Um, Afterwards, I went and talked to him. Upstairs of the restaurant is where he lived, Father Yod. And I went upstairs, and he's, he asked me where I came from, and I told him my story and that I'd been there and knew about Roy and James, and he told me their names are now Pythias and Ramasharaka. And uh, <laughs> so it, it was just like it all started from there, wow. and I wow. ended up being there for five, five years with the Source family. Wow. Um, Through of that, the adventure. That is. Wow. I can't even imagine that. That in, its, that in itself is a story because to get all the way from where you were in Chicago down to LA um, and the travel that it took, the perseverance that it took to get there is really, it's impressive. And um, I'm sure that it, you know, like you kind of knew what you were looking for, but you didn't really know what you were looking for, but then you just stumble upon this thing. That's got to be like a pretty profound moment in your life when you're like, okay, God is listening to what I'm putting out there. It, it you know, God has led me here. And so you're just following that path. I mean, that's got to be, you know, that had to be reassuring to some degree because a lot of people don't ever get that, you know? It was, you know, it was the most extraordinary experience in my life, being with them. And then, of course, um, what you haven't been told yet is that I did eventually become one of his 13 wives. Okay. Um, I was was his second wife, actually. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I had... um, 
uh, I had found that James was with, who is now Ramasharaka, he was with another woman. And um, so that was, okay, good, glad you're in love, great. Um, and I found that Roy was also with another woman. Okay. And, um, and that was really difficult. But then it came down after... I was there for a few months that uh, that we were going to try plural marriages, and so I he came to Roy came to me and asked me if I wanted to be with them, and I said yes, and um, I was really open to it, but this other woman wasn't really. She felt very threatened by it, and I was really. I was really into the whole experiment of life at that point, and that's what we were trying to do was just experiment with right. communal living and breaking boundaries yeah. and yep. all of that. And um, anyway, I, it, I didn't really have to do much because um, she was also underage. She was I was actually two days older than she was. Oh, wow. And her mom lived in Los Angeles and suddenly decided she wanted her to um, come home. Right. And sent the L.A. Sheriff's Department to the restaurant where I happened to be working the cash register that day. And they found that I was underage. So they took me and decided to put me in custody and uh, took me to the L.A. Audi home. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh God! It was wild. It was definitely wild. And then, uh, and then they shipped me back to Chicago. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yes. And so that was that was a very weird experience. And did I mention that we all wore all white? Well, that was yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask because um, when you think of the Source family, that's what I think of is the, the all white, like the robes, right? The um, yes. Um, how how early into their inception did you get involved? That I, I I'm not. When did they start? Well, the Source Restaurant opened in 1969. Okay. And what ended up happening was that there were um, there were a lot of people who worked at the Source. That um, okay before Father Yod was Father Yod, he was Jim Baker. Yeah. And Jim Baker was a Hollywood restaurateur. He had already had two different restaurants on the Sunset Strip previous, the Aware Inn and the Old World. So uh, this was his newest restaurant that he opened up after having this spiritual awakening with Yogi Bhajan. And um, that's a whole other long story. Anyway. So after a while, I would say in 1970, 71, it kind of got to the point where people were being more than just workers in a restaurant. They were they were all very close and they had they were listening to Father Yod, who was tell, teaching them all of this stuff that he was coming down with. And um, by 1972, I believe it was in. March or April of 1972, uh, they had all decided, okay, we're going to stop living in separate apartments and we're going to live in one place. And they rented the Chandler Mansion, which was the newspaper magnet. Okay. Uh, and he, anyway, it was huge, beautiful, just incredible mansion. And um, old Hollywood style, big yep. swimming pool and lots of room for everybody to live. And so I had, that was in March or April, I think it was March of 1972, and I arrived there in August of 1972. Okay. So I was there fairly early on. Wow, wow. And then, so then you get shipped home, and, and then what? Then what happens? What did your parents think, first of all? Did they have any? Well, my mom let me stay originally because she felt that, it, well, first of all, they did come out to California to see what I was doing because I said I wasn't coming home. Okay. And okay. so they wanted to check the situation out. My mother found me not doing drugs, not being up all night running around the city crazy, and working a job. 
so I was, you know, being in a very healthy environment, and it was much healthier than the environment I was in in Chicago. So that convinced her to let me stay. So interesting. Wow. Mm. And uh, so when I came home, they were starting to pressure me about going back to school and all this stuff. And I was and I was calling the source every day and talking to Roy and saying, well, I, I can't stand it. What, what What's going on? Or I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm so Father Yod sent Roy to Chicago. And he said, don't come back until you're married. Mm. And so. My mom and I picked him up at the airport. He stayed with us. And um, we convinced my parents that we wanted to get married. And, um, of course, we were young and impetuous, so it wasn't difficult. Yeah. And um, so we got married in City Hall and uh, went back to California. Okay. Okay, so, uh, so the, that was just yeah. kind of a uh, kind of a ruse just to get you uh, able to legally be away from your parents. Kind of, sorta, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, that at the time, at the time, I thought it was really love and really happening, but you know, it just, of course, the bottom fell out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other gal that was with us, she ended up getting pregnant. And her hormones were bouncing off the walls so much I couldn't take it anymore. And um, uh, I just went to Father Yod and I said, I, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, I think we're going to go back to being, uh, you know, single relationships anyway. So just I'll give you a place in the mother house. But that's what we called the, the mansion, the mother house. And you can go and stay there at, with the with the other single women. I was like, okay. So that was the beginning of that. And then a couple months later, I was with, I ended up being with him. And uh, boy, what a ride. And so then you became a wife for, for him, right? You became his, his wife. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So that I think maybe is one of the more fascinating facets of, any type of situation like this is when there becomes this like arranged marriages or now we're going to kind of swap people around and stuff like that. That's got to be, I know some people may have a, uh, an easier time with that, but that's got to be difficult for a lot of people to deal with. No, is that? Absolutely. There, you know, we were trying to create this new age consciousness and I was all for it. And I think because I was young enough mm-hmm. and um, open to trying new things without the life experience of, you know, how it's supposed to be, uh, that it, it helped for me to be able to do that. But no, a lot of people, I would say, did not get that. A lot of the guys really liked it because, you know, they were with multiple women. Right. But um, they didn't really know how to have the focus about being with each woman. They they couldn't sh- they couldn't share. I mean, when you were with Father Yod, he was eventually Yehoah, and I tend to think of him as Yehoah. When you were with Yehoah, I mean, it was always like you were the only one sitting in front of him. He had that kind of energy and that kind of reach. Right. And, um, you know, I know this sounds culty, and it sounds like, uh, you know, I was I was mesmerized and, and brainwashed. I was not. I was never mesmerized to the point of being brainwashed. I always did what I wanted to do. That's good. But I always felt like it was, um, you know, it, it was challenging at times because of the fact that not everyone was on the same page because... Um, some people were able to, and some people weren't. Right. But we tried. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what were some of the things that he would do to try to, because I can imagine with people, you got <clears throat> different people, you have a variety of age, age ranges and things like that. Mm-hmm. He's a mesmerizing figure. 
but you have people that are individuals and thinking individually, what were some things that he would do to try to like wrangle people or keep them in check? Were there anything like that, that he kind of, would he, would he do things like to help with that or, or how, how did that work out? Basically our, um, our premise was to be productive in life. So everyone worked at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a job to do. Everyone had had it was there was there was no freeloading at all. So basically, to keep everyone in line, that was just you know, hey, you know, you got to take care of your responsibilities. So I would say that was probably a very grounding factor. Yeah. Um, and you know, he shared everything. He shared all the profits of the restaurant. There was never and I mean, yeah, we bought a Rolls Royce. There's, I know, and we, we and he started a band because there were a bunch of musicians in the group and they all wanted to play music and he wanted to, he wanted them to play music. And he discovered that he could come down with his wisdom while singing with the band And that's what started the music business. So that was another thing that he did to, as you say, wrangle us. Right. You know, because we all love the music and we all love to dance. So that was one thing. You know, the restaurant was also, the restaurant was a very popular venue. You know, it was right on the Sunset Strip. There was, I mean, I remember like meeting people like Cicely Tyson used to come in every day. Wow. Wow in a limo while she was filming whatever she was probably roots at the time and nearby. And, um, she would, we served all our salads in these wooden salad bowls. And she was like, no, I want, I want, I don't want it to go box. I want the salad bowl and tomorrow I'll bring it back and I'll get another one. <laughs> so I was sitting at the cash register and I would be doing that transaction with her. And meanwhile, while she was waiting, we would talk, but there were all kinds of celebrities. That's just one instance. Um, there were all kind like in the morning there was, um, there was people who would come in. Oh, I wish I could remember Susan St. James. That was her name. She okay. came in with her whole entourage, her wow. children, her agent, her husband, and they would sit at a table and conduct their business and have breakfast. And and then all day it was people coming in like that. And everyone who worked there has a different story about that sort of thing. Wow. Well, it was one of the first, like, true vegetarian, like, restaurants, wasn't it there in L.A.? It was. Yeah. It was. It was. Probably one of the first true vegetarian restaurants in in the United States. Yeah, that was yeah. You know, a viable restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were making I'm, a ton of money, and yeah. you know we had a fleet of Volkswagen vans. We ended up buying him a Rolls Royce because we wanted him to have a Rolls Royce, and um, you know we if you wanted something, if you needed something, all you had to do was ask. It wasn't like you know, we, we were, we weren't into poverty consciousness, you know, yeah. that just, it, it was interesting because, you know, a lot of the, um, spiritual practices are into poverty and, uh, you know, all that sort of thing, but that was not what we were into. And eventually after we, um, decided not to wear white anymore because we wanted to fit in with, but Yehoah came down with this idea. He said, well, you know, he wanted the music to be more successful, and he thought that the white was a little off-putting, and so we got into all these colors, and um, I was I was made a lot of clothes in those days, and so he invited me into his uh, room and said, okay, we're going to make a list of all the women in the family, and I'm going to come down with a color for each one, and you're going to go out and buy each one three yards of velvet. So we all started wearing these velvet and satin dresses and robes. And Wow. What was that like? Did you enjoy that? I loved it. Yeah. It was very elegant, and it felt very um, – you felt very special. Right. You know, because we were being taken care of so well. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fascinating. So about what time frame was that? Did that happen? Um, 
That had to be the end of 73. Okay. When the first records first started coming out, which okay. I, I think was in 73. Okay. And then what was, where, where did, where did you go from there? Where, cause I know at a certain point things got pretty rocky, right? <laughs> and <Yeah>. so <laughs> where, so where do we go from things are going well and we're successful. We start seeing fruits of our labor and and then it's not working out so well. Was everybody still living in the same house at that time? The same spot? Yes. Okay. We, we, lived, we lived in the Chandler Mansion for about a year. But um, what ended up happening was that Yehoah came down with this prophecy that the there were going to be all these world cataclysms and that you know, Cal, like kind of like California sinking into the ocean, and the oceans would rise. And he thought we should move to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. And it, actually, he had we had come to Hawaii early on in '73. There was a a small group that went to Molokai, but that was did not work out. So he sent another group to Maui. Okay. And um. So I ended up going with that group to Maui because there was another time that this woman was sent looking for her daughter again and she was coming to and she wasn't married and mm-hmm. so he decided to send me to Maui to keep me out of harm's way. Okay. So um so we started out in Maui and we had 5 acres of land there that we were uh, renting and farming and we were living in tree houses and tent platforms and very rough living. We were, and we also were eating only the food that we could pick. Wow. Wow. So that was, um, that was, uh, that was rough. There was a, a wild pineapple field next to us that had gone fallow um, at that time, the pine- pineapple was basically leaving Hawaii and going to the Philippines. Okay. So there were a lot of fallow uh, pineapple fields, but they were really sweet and very abundant. So we, we did have a lot of pineapple, but after a while, all that acid really kind of. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> How many people came over with you guys? I would say that there were probably around 30 people okay. that were there. How many people uh, were like in total were at the biggest when the, when it was at its largest how many people were involved? Do you know? About 140. Okay. Wow, that's pretty good size. Yeah. Yep. We were unwieldy. <laughs> and having to move that many people was uh oh, really gosh. quite an effort. I can imagine. Yeah. And when when I ended up coming back from Maui, we had uh, the Chandler Mansion people didn't want to rent to us again and renew our lease because the neighbors were complaining because we were chanting at four o'clock in the morning. Right. And so we found another house up in Nichols Canyon, which was much more secluded, but it was much smaller. Uh, and we built all these what we called cubby holes in the house, okay. and they were just three by three by eight feet long, and they were stacked on each other like honeycombs. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so we we did that, and that was where we had. Uh, that was when the music business started in earnest because there was a garage that we converted into a recording studio. Okay. Right. Wow. And um, oddly enough. We called that the father house. And when we ended up leaving the father house about a year or so later then, it was bought by the band ABBA. Oh, wow. (laughs) And uh, ABBA in Hebrew. Is father. That's right. So interesting. (laughs) Wow. And who doesn't love ABBA? I mean, golly. That is amazing. That is that's crazy. Um, did he vastly different from the Source family uh, sound? Uh, you know, vastly right. different from uh, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, that. <laughs> and did if am I 
mistaken? Did did Father Yod get um, ill? Did he start getting sick um, over there at a certain time or something? No. Am I wrong? Okay, I'm I'm thinking of something else. That I knew. Okay, cool. I, I wouldn't for he sure. He was. I mean, he was absolutely amazing. He could survive on eating very little food. And he was a giant of a man. He was six foot four. Wow. Wow. Just, he was, he was an incredible man. So did you guys pretty much just, I mean, did you stay there from that point on? No, we ended up, we, we were trying to find another home because we knew that Hawaii was our destiny, and yet we couldn't find a place in Hawaii, and the problem kept being that we could not find a place that we could legally with ha- live with 140 people right? Um, without it being a humongous expense, and so he decided to go on a round-the-world trip to try to find us a home and went... Mm-hmm. Like to, went to Japan, went to the or to other places in Asia. Yeah. Ended up in um, uh, oh, what is the name of that place? I'm drawing a blank right now. It's um, where the Hunza people were in, uh, not in Tibet. It's next to Tibet. Um, Nepal. No, it's tiny little kingdom. Anyway, he went there. He went to Egypt. He went all over the Middle East. He, he and he finally came back, and we met him in San Francisco. And so we got uh, an old haunted mansion in San Francisco called the Atherton Mansion. It was on the corner of California and Octavia Street, and it's just absolutely immense. It put the mother house to shame. Wow. And um, so we lived there for a while, but. We couldn't afford the, we could we couldn't afford to live there because um, it, by that point we had sold the restaurant. Okay. And the people who bought it, which interestingly enough, we were our last name was like I, my name in the family was Galaxy, and my last name was the Aquarian. So we were all about the Aquarian age, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the people who bought the restaurant were called the Pisces Corporation. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, the, the whole thing about yeah. we we used to use that as a slang term. Oh, that's so Piscean. Piscean meaning old and yeah. antiquated. And <laughs> the Pisces Corporation bought the source and they defaulted on their payment plan. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So we were not getting the money, and um, the guys were not able to find jobs in San Francisco. And it was getting to be a very difficult thing, so we decided to go back to Hawaii because at least we didn't have to have a lot of clothes and we could live more comfortably. Yep. And, um, and so... Uh, one of the guys in the family had uh, he had this interest in hang gliding, and um, he ended up uh, meeting this other fella who lived on Oahu who was also into hang gliding, and so they were really into hang gliding and did this off this cliff called Makapu, which is above Sea Life Park, if you know of uh, that at all on Oahu and uh, it's a very windy place and it's a very popular place for hang gliders anyway um, so he had set a world record there one of the guys in the family his name was Mercury and he uh, and Yehoah went over to watch him and he decided he wanted to live in this community where the other guy whose name was Jupiter he had a house there that he was renting. And so we ended up moving over there. Okay. Wow. <laughs> this is just in, you know, this isn't the, within like four or five years of you leaving Chicago. Yes. And you're, so you're barely in your twenties. I am not even 20 yet. Wow. That's a lot. This is, that is a lot. That's more than some people live in a lifetime. Right. <laughs> right? 
So, you know, I'm going to um I'm going to leave the story there. Okay, great. I've written a book, okay. a, a memoir of that time yep. of, you know, my childhood in Chicago, what got me to be such a crazy kid and you know, the story of my adventure of going to LA and go and then I get go into a real deep dive with the Source family, nice. all of my impressions and my experiences. And um, it it was really quite um, quite an adventure, to say the very least. Yeah, and yeah. I I don't want to spoil the sure. the, uh, the final moment yeah. in this story that everything changes. People just have to read it in the book. No, or, that's great. That's well, what's the name of the book? Because I definitely want to hunt hunt it down. Because yes. I mean, yes, it sounds really Here's okay. It's called Psychedelic Wild Child, Coming of Age in the Source Family Culture. Nice. Nice. I love it. <laughs> words with culture. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We never thought of it as a cult. And, right. Yep. You know, I mean, I mean, even to the point of like, you know, people say, oh, well, he kept you mesmerized there. I used to go back and visit my family at least once a year. Yeah, that's because my my parents would send me a ticket. Oh, why don't you come home and visit? Yeah, yeah. There was never a problem with that. Right. There was never, and and there was, you know, before when you said how would he wrangle people, well, it wasn't. It was like okay, we had a program of life, of how we lived, and if you wanted to be there and be a part of it. If you were wanted to be on the program and do everything that we did, you could be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't, and if you wanted to play by your own rules and not participate in everything, you were welcome to leave. Yeah. So no one was ever there held against their will. Nobody ever did anything that they didn't feel sure. that they wanted to do. Sure. No, it's tough, too, because when you read stories about things like this, you know, you get a slant from the person writing the stories. Yeah. And, you know, then you talk to somebody who's actually involved and it's, you know, you you know, it's like I, I we, we do this show because we want to hear people's side of their story. And and it's a, just such an interesting thing because we've you know, I've seen a movie or two about it and um <laughs> It's been a while ago, so my my memory on it's a little bit fuzzy, but it it does it piques my interest because it's one of the it's one of the big ones that people talk about, and it's like mm-hmm. it's cool to be able to talk to somebody that actually had you know one on one interactions with everyone involved, and uh, we love that. It's it's great, yeah. and it gives us a new perspective, you know. Yeah, and we we also like we've. Uh, I've listened to the the music from the Sword Family, just you know, because whenever I first heard about it, um, I think I some podcast or something, because um, it's you know, I mean, it's fairly obscure, you know, from now, not a lot of people know it, you know, but I think it's, I think it's bubbled up a little bit in the consciousness in probably the past five years, ten years maybe, where <clears throat> people who look for obscure music, you know, they know that. And I mean, I, I it's good. It's weird for me, you know, but I, I like weird. <laughs> so, but it's good, you know. So it's it's better than you know. It's 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 not what you think it would be, but it's cool. It's got it's definitely really cool. I, I, so it's worth checking out. I, I even looked on Spotify, and they've got uh, you know. Uh, a couple of different uh, ways you can listen to the Source oh, cool. Family to, and to, nice. uh, yeah, it's Father Goad. and called Yehoah 13 yep. and Savage Sons of Yehoah. Okay. And uh, the Yehoah 13 music was all spontaneous music that just was created in the band room, just playing, jamming together, and Yehoah just coming down with the lyrics. And it was my favorite is Expansion and Contraction. That that was my favorite album. Nice, nice. That is awesome. Do you have a uh, social media? Uh, do you have like Instagram or Facebook or anything yeah. like that? Do you yeah. do you do you like for people to get in touch with you? Um, oh sure. Okay. How sure. how can people get in touch with you? So my social media, uh, my my Instagram is Galaxy Seventy Two. Okay. 
and uh, social media and uh, Facebook. Those are the the two that I use. I'm on LinkedIn, but I really don't participate mm. that much. It's more for selling my book and yeah. networking. Yeah. But uh, so it's basically Facebook and Instagram. And on Facebook, it's Dawn Hurwitz. Okay. So that's how you can find me. Great. That's awesome. And we, I have a website. Okay. Yeah. What's that? It's www.dawnherwitz.com. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. That is so cool. We appreciate you coming on. And, you know, again, we, uh, we love... We love these stories. We don't get many perspectives like this. Um, yeah, it, this it, is certainly different from our perspective of growing up in a small town of you know three thousand people and everybody. Yeah. You know, you, first you ask somebody what you know what their name is, and then you ask them, uh, you know, what what church they go to. <laughs> you know, so this is radically right. different from uh, what we're familiar with. So that's one of the reasons we're, we're so intrigued. Uh, about it is because you know, and we really enjoy hearing about some people's lives that grew up different, uh, differently from ourselves. And you know, being your experience is you know just one of those that's like, uh, one. I mean, it, it could be a movie, it could be a, a, <laughs> yeah. a mini series. Yeah. You know, and obviously it is a book, and you know. <laughs> Um, it's 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 really cool, and so we uh, we appreciate you sharing with us because that's it's been a wild ride, and we know that there's more in those pages. Wild ride, yeah, yeah. And and actually, you know, after I left the Source family, I went back to Chicago and I became a clothing and costume designer, and it was during the time of punk rock and new wave, and oh, man. and I ended up on a wild ride and playing with rock stars and all kinds of crazy stuff from that. And then I ended up moving back to Hawaii in 1989 and I opened up a metaphysical bookstore cafe. And so um, I, I really have had some diverse adventures in my life and I will be writing more. Uh, I have the whole eighties to cover. Oh, great. And then I'll have, and hopefully I'll be able to do the next, another two books. Wow. Fantastic. Well, when you when you're uh, anytime you want uh, yeah. to come back on and chat with us, we'd love to uh, hear more of your stories. But definitely, whenever you get your uh, your '80s book, uh, uh, we we definitely would be interested in hear, being able to have you on talking about that and uh, promoting that and you know all of that good stuff because that's uh that's our wheelhouse that's, man that's that's our wheelhouse for <laughs> yeah. sure yeah well, thank you that's thank awesome thank you very much i well, i feel welcomed yeah well thank you so much don we appreciate you yes thank you very much uh this has been just uh incredible hey you know what we need what's that we need a new ad for our merch store our merch store. I've had a few people reach out to me and ask me, just how do we get What's Your Weird Story merch? Huh. How do we get that What's Your Weird Story merch? What's dash your, spelled Y-E-R, dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com That's what's dash your spelled Y-E-R dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com That's correct. Get in touch with us. Go buy some merch. We got some cool stuff. Yeah, dude. And you know what? If any of our listeners out there has some really cool ideas or has some really cool what's your weird story type art that they want to see on a t-shirt, get a hold of us. Maybe it'll happen. Well, thank you, Don. That was such a great conversation. And, uh, you know, the Source family is a, um, it's it's one of those groups that I have seen uh, documentaries on, really, mm -hmm. really fascinated by. Yep. So cool to have somebody that, you know, is involved in that world to come on and share with us uh, her experience. Amazing. Yeah, they're a little bit controversial, um, but of course, most you know, what you call fringe groups or whatever, um, you know, are people find them controversial just for existing, I suppose. But uh, there is a really great source family 
documentary called The Source Family. You can go and find. Um, I know it was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it's still there. Um, but yeah, you can go and you can, if you go to uh, like in your Spotify or your uh, iTunes and just put in Source Family, you can find and listen to some of the music um, from them. And it ranges from very, you know, like guitar and singer stuff to very, very psychedelic, heavy psychedelic jam stuff. And uh, it's worth listening to. Uh, it's really interesting, and it's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, check that out. And don't forget to go and check out uh, Don's book, uh, uh, Psychedelic Wild Child. And, uh, you know, for, for the rest of the story, as they used to say, uh, yeah, so we, we cannot thank Don enough. That was just something that's fantastical. Some You know, we like hearing people who grew up um, it was different in different belief systems, you know. Yeah. Uh, we don't necessarily like calling them cults, but some, you know, some are cults, some are whatever. We just call them. We just try to call them equally belief systems, uh, because you know, uh, we don't want to uh, offend anybody's, you know, sensibilities who were in those things one way or the other. Right. Um, but you know, who calls what cult? It just depends on where your background is. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, and uh, we uh, also wanted to, to uh, <laughs> address Don took a little, it seemed to took a little umbrage with Barry's use of wrangle um, yeah. with the young guys. And we just want to point out that, you know, that what I think she misinterpreted where we come from. Uh, wrangle means just getting people together. Like you wrangle right. cattle, right. you wrangle stuff. It's just kind of getting people together and keeping them under, you know, control and not being too wild. Yeah. And I think that she was thinking it was more of like, you know, uh, uh, persuading, manipulating oh, people. Yeah. Well, to, and I you know, get it. I mean, yeah. they, you know, they've been under scrutiny, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and we by not, by no means are passing judgment in any way, shape, or form. I I was simply trying to uh, for for my lack of uh, words coming to my mouth, just trying to pose the question, you know, how do you get people, young people, especially all on the same page yeah, and, and move forward. That's a difficult thing to do, whether it's a business or, you know, uh, an idea or, or a family uh, yeah, or a family, you know? So, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was great to have her on. We appreciate her time. She probably gave more than she wanted to, and we appreciate that. That story is such an interesting story, and uh, and man, we just we would love to get more folks. Uh, you know, if if you've had time in uh in the source family or something uh close to that or you know you've got weird stories from the holidays or whatever your case may be we would love to hear from you we'd love to have you on the show yeah we also love you know your humorous and funny stories your uh, the those stupid things you did as kids that almost got you killed or or your parents uh, you know, killed or locked up, uh, or siblings, or you know, just high school hijinks. Uh, we love hearing you know adventure stories from travels and uh, near escapes of death. Uh, you know, we just love good stories, any kind of stories. You know, weird and wonderful and incredible. Because uh, you know, it may not sound weird to you because you lived it, but it's going to be weird to you know to somebody else because they have a no inclination of what that experience would have been like or or could be so yeah join us uh on the on the podcast share your stories contact us through our social media uh facebook and instagram uh contact us through our email wywspod at gmail.com uh you can also go to our website what's your weird story.com where you can find all of our episodes, all 276 plus episodes uh, for free. And you can listen to and download them there for free. And uh, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you all turning in, uh, tuning, tuning in, turning on and dropping out. Um, in, in the fashion of those the great hippie days, um, <laughs> we appreciate you listening. We appreciate and love you, Weirdsville, uh, our own special family uh, here in, in the, your ear holes. 
Yeah, we could only be so uh, lucky to have such uh, an amazing group of people that keep tuning in to us. And, uh, you know, we've got a special spot in Weirdsville that we all like to congregate and meet. And uh, we'll continue doing that on a weekly basis. Yep. And we'll be continuing that next week here on the podcast. So uh, tune in next time and we will send you see you then. Until then, though, uh, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.